Los Angeles listeners of the Nerdist Writers Panel and the Nerdist Comics Panel, the Comics Panel co-host Heath Corson has his very first comic book coming out from DC Comics Wednesday the 3rd. Uh, it is Bizarro number one, and it is really good. Uh, I'm a bit of an industry insider, so I've seen it already. It's really good. Uh, if you are in L.A., come on out to a signing that Heath is doing at Meltdown Comics, home to Nerdist, uh, at Sunset and Gardner. Uh, come to Meltdown at 7 p.m. Heath will sign your Bizarro comic. You'll pick up the Bizarro comic, which you should, because it's great. It's well-written. It's funny. Without being silly, it's silly without being stupid, uh, and the art is just stunning. Uh, so check out Bizarro Number 1 this Wednesday, and come on out and get it signed by Heath, who wrote it, Heath Corson, and uh, at Meltdown at 7 p.m. See you there. Now entering Nerdist.com. My name is Ben Blacker. I'm the host and creator of the Nerdist Writers Panel, which you are currently listening to. I'm also a TV writer myself, having written for Supernatural, Super Ninjas, and currently for uh, the DreamWorks Netflix program Puss in Boots. Check it out. It's now available. I'm also the co-creator of the Thrilling Adventure Hour, a stage program in the style of old-time radio that is now a podcast right here on the Nerdist Network every week. Go to thrillingadventurehour.com for more details. If you enjoy the Nerdist Writers Panel, please leave a review on iTunes. And let us know who you want to see on this program by following me on Twitter, at Ben Blacker, just like it sounds, and by liking this show on Facebook, facebook.com slash Panel. Now, here's the theme song. It's the Nerdist Writers Panel, and it's hosted by Ben Blacker, where he gets a bunch of writers, and he asks them lots of questions, and it's starting now, so this will be the end of the theme. This is how we start. Uh, we have the, the, the brains behind Cam Girls, a new web series uh, that premieres tomorrow. Everywhere? Where yeah. does it premiere? On camgirlstheseries.com. Okay. Yeah, it's yeah. on YouTube. So. Excellent. Uh, will you, starting with you, Joel, will you guys go around and introduce yourselves so people know whose voices they are hearing sure. and tell your involvement with the show as well? I am Joelle Garfinkel. I uh, created and wrote the series. And yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm David Slack. I'm a executive producer, and I directed it, which was my first time directing th- something. <laughs> I'm Kate Bond, hereafter called Katie, probably. Um, I developed it, and I star in it. Congratulations, you guys! We did uh, it. You, you made something. We first of all, that is enormous in itself. <laughs> like, and I know, uh, and and David, listeners will know, has been here before. Uh, we've talked to him as uh, having written on uh, Person of Interest and mm-hmm. various other shows. Um, but you guys, tell me about your, before we get into cam girl stuff, tell me about your creative lives, uh, coming into this and like, what have you, what have you made and how goddamn hard is it to make something? <laughs> um, well, I, uh, I went to Cal State Northridge for screenwriting and then shortly after I started working as an assistant, um, starting as a post PA, mm-hmm. and uh, and then eventually I transferred into the writer's office as a writer's assistant on In Plain Sight, which is where I met David, mm-hmm. and uh, and then from there I became uh, showrunner's assistants for Lie to Me, and then I worked on Terra Nova and Awake, and then uh, after that I became Josh Friedman's assistant and uh, worked with him, helped him develop a few shows. And then uh, became the writer's assistant on Emerald City. 
So I went up the assistant route, and then uh, while I was working on all of that, I also worked on my own specs and wrote pilots and tried to just learn as much and write as much as I could. Well, that, this was something I did want to talk about, because I know like you took what is kind of the traditional route, though, there's no traditional right. route. Um, but of really starting in the trenches and working your way up and doing all this really kind of thankless assistant work very often. <laughs> uh, but you were writing all along. Mm-hmm. What, uh, what kind of stuff were you working on? What were your interests as a writer? Well, I think a lot of it, the, the neat thing about Cam Girls and it finally coming to fruition was that was actually the very first pilot I wrote. Oh, really? And so, and I wrote it, um, and I actually sent it to David for notes, um, cause he was one of my writer friends at the time and still is, <laughs> but <laughs> not, after not this. after this, yeah. no, <laughs> no, but he was someone whose, you know, opinion I could really trust and stuff. And so I sent it to him and he, uh, he gave me great advice that, you know, this is such a great uh, subject, and let this be the project that teaches you how to write. So mm-hmm. even though I was working on different pilots throughout the years, I would always come back to Cam Girls, and I had so many different versions of it. I had, you know, the original version, which was, I don't even know what it was, <laughs> but it was kind of all over the well, place. Well, how was it different? I'm curious about that. Um, I th- The core of it and the characters were always pretty much the same, <clears throat> but I think the setting and then the characters' personalities changed. Like, the first version was very much like two broke girls, you know, two 20-somethings that they're kind of getting into this world. Um, And I think it may have even been a half-hour, you know, version, um, even though I was very much, like, coming into the drama world. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and then I did the version where they were, like, seedy strippers in Detroit and drug addicts and, like, (laughs) and that was, like... Was this not a comedy version? That was not comedy. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so, and that was just very, you know, to kind of, because I'd never written anything up until that point that was that hard, you know. Uh And uh, and so, and then I did... um, kind of like the Gossip Girl teens with webcams version. You put this through every iteration. Yeah, and it really did. Like David had said, it was the project that taught me how to write because even though the core of it stayed the same... You know, I they just went through every single version, and I learned as a writer not to be so precious with hmm. things, and to you know be able to take a core idea and then take it uh, in any way that it needed to go. That's really interesting. So, so all right, I want to pick up and talk about like how you got to the pr- the version that we see yes. on our screens. But uh, let's go to Katie for a minute. What? Uh, what is your background? How did you how did you even get involved with this project? Well, I Who do you uh, think you are? <laughs> <laughs> well, I used to work as a I, I was always an actor uh, growing up, but I was doing costume design for a while out here, so I um but I was doing that so that I could to pay bills while I was mm-hmm. acting, but you can either do one or the other basically. You can't really have an on-set job and you can have an on-set job and be a writer because you go home and write, mm-hmm. but you actually have to be free during the day to audition and stuff <laughs> like that if you're a if you're an actor. So I, I quit doing the costume design and uh, I was going to acting classes, and I fucking hate acting class. I hate it. I think it is. <gasps> Why? This is very interesting um, to me. Well, I think I think some classes are worthwhile. I t- I took one that was like um, I took a really good on camera audition class because uh, and that was really useful because you do not realize how much you 
uh, look down or blink or like mm-hmm. go like this. That you know, put your podcast. put your hand <laughs> put your hair behind your ears three right. times in thirty seconds. Yeah. You know, but so it's a practical. It's a practical class. thing, yeah. yeah. And then off of that, off of switching to that class, but I didn't like doing it long term. It was more of a short term thing. I realized that for the amount of money that I was spending on classes, I could just be making my own stuff. Hmm. Uh, and they say, you know, make your own stuff, make your own stuff. But yeah. most of people's own stuff that they make is bad because actors aren't writers. Mm-hmm. And if you're an actor who is just writing stuff for yourself, um, frequently, like, your character will be good, and then the rest of it is garbage, sure. you know, because, you know, you you yeah. can write your own voice, but you can't write other people's voice. So I decided to, I talked to David about it and said I wanted to start working with writers to try to develop a web series, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this got the ball rolling. How long ago was all of this? Uh, a while ago. It was, it was Yeah, it was a while ago. It was, it's been a process, but it was, I was... Uh, um, having breakfast with Joel uh, shortly after Kate and I had had this conversation, um, and uh, she, I, you know, asked her what was going on with Cam Girls, and she's like, "Oh, I don't know. I've, I've done yet another version with yet another person's, <laughs> you know, vision of the thing, and it just clicked." I was like, "You know, let me talk to Katie and see if you guys want to work on this together because it just seemed like such a natural fit to convert sure. to a web series." I, I mean, and I, I, t- I mean, I still remembered. That idea from I think I think from when you initially wrote mm-hmm. it to when we started talking about making it, it was probably like five years. Yeah, you know, and and you know, as as I, I think every writer I know has that first script that got developed to death, mm-hmm. and this is the rare case where like it kind of just wouldn't die, mm-hmm. and 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 then so they I put them in touch and they started talking about it and. But like my approach to it, like cards on the table, I was like, oh, it'll be like 13 or kids, you know, we'll make it really edgy. <laughs> and these two ladies are like, shut really? up. Um, so I, I, at that point, I will and let them talking about sort of their, yeah. when they got together on it, how they sort of reconceived the tone of it. Because mm-hmm. this is, yeah, I, this is a good time to get into that and say it is not like 13 or kids. No. <laughs> and it is also not porn. There, we should say, like, yes. it's called There's Cam no Girls. nudity. There's like There's three no swear words. <laughs> Very like it could air. Yeah, it could air at eight p.m. on ABC. It's very like you know. Yeah, it's more tame than Empire. It's very like you know. It's very. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, so when you guys sat down together, how did you start to develop this thing? How did you rethink it, knowing that it wouldn't be a TV show necessarily, but go onto a smaller screen? Um, And then how did you start to develop it for Katie? And how did you know what was your input into the process? Well, I'll say I had um, I made a another web series uh, before this that was, uh, and so I had a little bit of familiarity with the process through that, mm-hmm. um, and that was comedy, so they were all one-offs. But um, I think the idea of taking the pilot and just I think the big decision was making it serialized, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. was making it so that it was it's basically a pilot told over seven episodes. It was originally six, and we cut one in half. Yeah, it was too long. <laughs> um, yeah, so I will say, I mean, watching it, the episodes are the right length. They're like oh, five thanks. minutes each around there, and it just they go down so easy that I was like, I'll watch one or two, and then I wound up watching all of them. Oh, that's <laughs> so nice to hear. That's yeah, <laughs> the, I mean, the big thing structurally was just to take that pilot structure and make yeah. sure that each act break for a commercial had a really good cliffhanger on yeah. it. You know, but the, to me, the breakthrough that I didn't have much to do with was tonally where you guys arrived. Yeah, I think that we we had talked about it in what would be a very digestible way for everyone to kind of watch this, because it does deal with, you know, issues that people are tend to be a little bit shy about. 
And so, and Katie and I had thought, um, going along the the lines of like a nighttime soap and something that's very fun and frothy and people can just kind of come into it and be like, oh, this is really fun. Oh, wait, I'm watching something actually really serious that has to do with, you know, issues that women are facing. Well, let, let me stop you there. I'm, sure. I'm warning you, I'm going to interrupt all. No, no, no. Um, but what is this show about for you? I mean, starting from the impetus to write it, mm-hmm. and as it developed, what was always the core theme or the idea that was driving the show for you? Well, it's actually based on uh, or inspired by uh, true events. Um, <laughs> when I was working as a writer's assistant, I uh, I had a roommate that I couldn't figure out because it seemed like she was never working, and I was working all the time, and she always just had a lot more money than I did. <laughs> And uh, I came home from work early one day and uh, found her in front of my computer in a pretty compromising position. And um, and I, you know, she had, like, pulled me aside and, and told me that she had been on this dating website. This was, like, pre-Tinder, but it was, like, a dating website mainly for hooking up. And she was having difficulties with it because uh, most of the girls on the site were cam girls. And so that was kind of how she had, you know, oh yeah, found out about that world. And um, and I was immediately, I was so fascinated because I'd never heard of cam girls before. And like, and just as like a PA, I was just, I'm like, how are you making so much more money than me? It's not <laughs> fair. Like, you get to stay home all day. And so, um, and, you know, and I was starting to think of writing about a pilot and I was like, well, maybe this will be good. And so she introduced me to a few more established camp girls and the more stories that I heard from them, the more I just was so fascinated, you know, because these are women that they are so in control of everything that they put out there. And, you know, there is good money involved. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think even more so than that, it's just talking about, you know, women and how we kind of handle our own sexuality and everything that's kind of expected of us in the digital age. And that was the thing that was so fascinating to me. Um, But there was one woman that I talked to that she, uh, you know, she was a more established cam girl. And she had said that, you know, she had just started it as a way to be able to stay home with her kid. And, uh, and had no expectations, and she had set up a like an online wish list, you know, and it was kind of more of like a barter system with these guys, where like if you give a little more, I'll you know I'll give a little <laughs> right. bit more. And she said her first week of doing it, she had three HDTVs sent to yeah, like a private PO <laughs> box. And she she told me she's like I'm living in a studio apartment. I didn't even have cable, <laughs> so you know it was there was it was just so fascinating, yeah. Uh, and then how did you start to find your characters in this? Well, I mean, I think I took it from, uh, in that original version, it was very much the version of my roommate and I, mm-hmm. or my perception of that. Um, and so it was 20-something girls that were down on their luck and, you know, needed a quick way to make money and mm-hmm. kind of stumbled on this. And um, and so, and then, you know, in in this version that we're in now, um, you know, I think that the Liv character is very much, uh, you know, she she's kind of the way that I was when I first, mm-hmm. you know, came across it. We're just a little suspicious of it, you know, and, and unsure, you know, and... Um, 
And so, and I think that that, you know, there is that kind of morally gray area Mm -hmm. that is interesting to explore as a character. Um, And then the other characters deal, you know, primarily in, like, how they... uh, we have one character um, played amazingly by Annie Ruby, um, and she deals mainly with uh, how you know sex in the digital age affects relationships. Mm-hmm. So I think yeah, it came it came very much from that there's point. A, there's so much to juggle in this. I mean, we started off talking about tone, but like the tone itself is really difficult. And you talk about like this sort of frothy soap. But it's also comedic, and you're dealing with heavy issues. Um, how did how did you guys tackle that in the script phase? Well, part of it was knowing that because we were developing it for the web, we uh, we were going to be our actors were going to make very little money, mm-hmm. and so Joelle and I decided right off the bat that if we weren't paying our actors, we weren't making them take off their clothes. So that was a big thing. Sure. And if basically if there's no nudity, it's there doesn't really need to be a lot of swearing. You know what I mean? If, mm-hmm. if you take that element out, then you're going down to... So that was that was a big part of mm-hmm. it, was figuring mm-hmm. out what where we were trying to land. Mm-hmm. That makes um, a lot of sense. If there's no nudity, then then what else are we not doing and what are we doing mm-hmm. and, and all of that. And then there was just also stuff like um, the job that Liv has in the beginning. I used to have that job. Mm-hmm. I used to work for an online payment processing company, and I answered the phone when a grandmother would call, a woman would call, and she would say, I have a, a fraudulent charge on my account for, you know, $500, and I would look it up, and it was like gang-banging titties or whatever, and I would have to say, uh, do, you have a, do you have a young man living in your house? And she said, I have a 14-year-old grandson, and I said, oh this is a porn charge that he has put on your uh, on your credit card, and and it, the big thing was trying not to tell them the name of the website, like because it was always somebody's wife, somebody's mother, somebody's sure. grandmother, and I did not want to tell them, like, you know what I mean, like specifically what this person was oh interested in, like I, um, but so that um, we kind of uh, wanted to show different aspects mm-hmm. of the sex industry. So we showed that, and we just talked about how it's a, it's a huge money-making thing. Mm-hmm. And one of the big things for us the whole time, too, is that we always wanted to show everything from the women's perspective. Mm-hmm. We wanted to try really, really hard to... Um, uh, it, I don't know, to, to, not, to not use the male gaze. Mm-hmm. You know, to, to... As much as possible, I think, we... Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for us, when we were developing it, um, you know, we're very much aware that uh, as women, like if you take on kind of, you know, the persona of stripper or prostitute or whatever, that's a little bit more scandalous and stuff. You're either seen as, you know, you're seen as a slut. And like and we wanted to do something that did handle the sex industry and not look at these women in any sort of judgmental way at yeah. all. Because that's why the reason revenge porn is so effective is that um, is that it's it, there's a shame about women's bodies and about women's mm-hmm. sexuality, even if they were with a, a, a partner. You know what I mean? Even if they were monogamous at the time, there's something that is just so... And you see women who, uh, young women who do porn in college and then a dude sees their porn and then lets everybody know and then her life is ruined. And it's so silly, but his life isn't ruined for... Growing for you know, so that was part of the thing for us the whole time is um, we feel like there is a responsibility when you address this type of subject not to contribute to the problem. Mm-hmm. But how do you go about balancing that 
uh, with making an entertaining story? How does it not become a polemic? Well, I think that's where the tone really came into mm-hmm. it because, you know, I mean, what I was pitching Joel and, and Katie was a polemic, you know, mm-hmm. and, and they're like, no, 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 this is a soap opera. It's fun. Mm-hmm. It's it's fashionable. It's cool. And we'll talk about this stuff because yeah. otherwise you're kind of just preaching to the converted, yeah. you know, it's, uh, and it's, also we don't want to be preaching at all. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no. but, but yeah. the, I mean, the, the thing that lit me on fire when Joel first told me about this idea and when I read the first version of the script is that porn is the elephant in the room in the last 20, 30 years. And mm-hmm. I, before I was a writer, I worked for GTE selling internet connectivity and found out one day that my entire division was paid for almost entirely by a site called Danny's Hard Drive that was one of the early porn download sites. Oh you know, so porn pays for uh, the internet and it's impacted everything. It's not, so that while the camming thing is a unique and interesting phenomenon that this series mm-hmm. about, we've tried to get into sort of the broader impact on our yeah. culture of what happens between husbands and wives and what the expectations are, you know, on women when, when this so pervades our culture and nobody talks about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I think one of the big things to answer your question is that uh, is looking at it. Uh, Joelle did a really good job of looking at them as uh, women who happen to do this. Mm-hmm. So it was just this. It's much more just a story about these people's lives, and that the the camming thing is almost a side. You mm-hmm. know, like it it is a big plot thing because it's it's basically well, a pilot. It, dr- it drives the story, but it doesn't yeah. define their character. Yeah, they're that was the big thing. Characters, yeah, the big thing was making sure that the the women weren't in any way bound by that. Mm-hmm. It's not really a part of their identity. It's just a thing they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that we're letting the audience make up their own minds, whether Liv's choices are good ones or bad ones. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, you know, it's a strange thing to reference on a, you know, talking about a project like this, but uh, watching Friday Night Lights, mm-hmm. Katie would always point out that they did such a great job never judging their characters. They would just show you what happened. And we tried to draw some inspiration from that here. And, mm-hmm. you know, while while doing it in a fun, soapy style, certainly nothing like Friday Night Lights, um, but it let us have uh, just present this stuff and let the audience decide because, you know, the, we'll let the rest of everything in our culture judge that. The, the other thing is that we, um, our, our target audience is really is women, is young women. Mm-hmm. And, and so there's a lot, of, um, a lot of why we put a lot of this stuff in there, like, like the, how, how big an industry porn is, is that I think in a lot of ways we're sort of reverting back to that sort of Victorian sensibility where, like, boys start accessing porn on the Internet when they're, like, eight years old. And girls are more and more, a lot of their sex stuff is like abstinence-only education Mm -hmm. and stuff, but they don't, they are unaware of, there's a whole separate, there are separate tiers for men and women, I think, for young Mm -hmm. men and young women. And so I think it's really important to, I don't know, it just seemed like we needed to lay a little bit of the groundwork of what actually the sex industry is. It's it's the Victorianization that's come with that is the porn is, you know, going in the closet, like in the 80s, Mm -hmm. major release our movies had a love scene in them. Mm-hmm. The Avengers, Age of Ultron, would have had a love scene in it if it was made back yeah. then. Um, uh, and they don't anymore. And that's fine. That's probably better. But it, it's it, there's this weird dichotomy that this thing is 
really, really invading our culture, and we're we're not having the conversation. And when there is that stuff, it's like in Game of Thrones, where it's Mm -hmm. it's chicks making out in the background, (laughs) which is again part of the problem, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's it was a window dressing rather than yeah, yeah. It's just it's yeah. We wanted to make sure that these women weren't objects, and then there and just and we felt like by telling the story through someone who's just sort of bump like um you know like Zoe Deschanel and New Girl becomes a cam girl. I think it, it, it makes you realize much more that it's they're just people. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's not, they're not these, you know, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't even... <laughs> <laughs> well, you, I mean, I think you, you summed it up perfectly a minute ago when you said it's about these people's lives. Yeah. And this, yeah. this happens to be the story that yeah. they're living yeah. in. And I, I think it re- works really well uh, that way. Uh, what were some of the particular challenges in the development stage before you guys started production? I think in terms of development, um, we... Because initially what we were trying to do, or at least I was trying to do as the writer, was separate the acts into episodes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so um, so it was, you know, Katie and I sitting down and kind of fleshing out each episode. And like David had said, you know, making sure that each episode ended on something very yeah. cliffhangery. And um, we got together for breakfast at Little Dom's. Yes. <laughs> we had poached eggs and toast. Very nice. <laughs> yes. Nearly every week. Um, that's a tough thing, though, that refiguring. Like, it, it reminds me, and we've talked about this on the, this podcast before of not even writing for network television, but writing for comic books, mm-hmm. where you need to have a sort of cliffhanger at the end of every page. Mm-hmm. You know, it's this very short window to tell your story, uh, and you you know, there's no ramp in and there's no ramp out. Yeah. Yeah, and that was really difficult, especially because up until that point, I had never written anything that had been produced. Mm-hmm. And I had only written primarily one-hour dramas, and so to have, you know, pretty much a five-minute window wow. to get the whole story in, that was that was very difficult, but I also had two of the greatest collaborators with me, helping me. Well, so. you, you also had very narrow pr- production constraints. Yes. You know, <laughs> that, we, that was another. That. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, something that happened, um, uh, we uh, we were waiting for notes from David, and I hadn't given my notes yet either because I was just going to give them this at the same time because it didn't it didn't make sense to do it separately. Um, and we lost our director, mm-hmm. and um, because you were waiting for notes, because from we were waiting for notes <laughs> from David. As usual, you lost um, I have ruined. So our shooting schedule kept getting pushed back, and then um, basically, David David read it, and he was like, "Oh, this is nearly ready." He finally read the read what we had, and he said, "This is nearly ready. I have a few notes, but if we can shoot it next week, um, I can direct it." Oh my god! So. And, I, and I was at a place where I wanted to have a directing sample mm-hmm. um, uh, because that's I, I feel like a next step for me. And sure. having been a, a co EP on set, right. frankly, like he's. Oh, absolutely. You've been living in this world for... Well, yeah. my, my degree is yes, actually yes. in directing theater, really? but still, yeah, that's that's what I studied at SMU. Um, but, yeah, so so I waited too long to give notes, and then I had notes, um, as is always the way, so I'm right. just like, I'm like, oh my god, I'm the asshole now. <laughs> um, normally someone else is the asshole, but I'm the <laughs> asshole. So we, we got together and sat down, and it was mostly structural stuff, as I recall. It was about moving scenes around and mm-hmm. just sort of shaping the episodes. So we, we you know, had talked about, you know, got it on cards on the table and, and went through oh it. Oh, God, did, I forgot about that. We did oh, like yeah. that oh, sort of fucking note one day, yeah. one day re-break, and Joelle did an amazing re- rewrite on it and put it all, oh, you know, in... So, you ha- so all the scenes were 
existing already. You had more or less. We yeah. added. Some, we added some things. And I think there some were stuff. a couple of beats we added that eights. we wanted to make sure, sure that we hit. You know, especially in this smaller format. Um, but I think, yeah, most of the scenes were there, and we just kind of restructured it on cards. Yeah. And you then, know, the big thing that came out of that part of the process was we couldn't figure out what tied all the episodes together. And then it was toward the end of it, I was oh. like, oh, it's my confessional. Uh-huh. It's my on-camera oh, confessional. Yeah. Because we had the on-camera <laughs> confessional, and I, and then, oh, it was the realization that that would be the first time that I strip on camera. Yes. Yeah. Remember, well, that was I the, can't even remember at what point we knew for sure you were playing that character. Because this was really, this was not like, let's make this a vehicle, you know, mm-hmm. for Katie necessarily, because you were... No. Y- you were between either Liv or Alexa, you oh, know. Um, yeah, for, for I, I was time, actually, yeah. for a while, I was thinking I would be Nikki. Yeah. Um, and then I was thinking I would be Alexa so that we would be, it would be the person, well, you the, know. The weird, there, thing, there the reasons, weird thing of but, being an executive producer on uh, on something you're going to be in. Yeah, yeah. And, then, and, and David and Joelle were both like, no, you're Liv. Yeah. yeah. There was happening. no question. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you're Liv. That's, That's not, there's yeah. no other way to do this. But then when it, so then we had to cast and we had one day to cast everybody. We, uh-huh. we cast yeah. people. Uh, I we think. had uh, Kevin Mochran and Karina Walters were our casting directors. Um, mm-hmm. They had cast Katie in a pilot before. Um, and so we reached out to them because that was good experience. And they That's put right. together a, an amazing day for us. It was actually quite fun mm-hmm. um, uh, and brought in really, really wonderful people. We had uh, a lot of, we had a big cast. Yeah, no, you kind of, you kind of expect when you're doing a web series for, you know, next to no money to, you know, not get to be a chooser, but we actually had some really tough decisions because Kevin and Karina put together a oh, t- terrific, great. terrific slate. I will say for the one thing that happened because we were, we were casting everybody in one day is that, uh, Unless we specifically said, like, like we said, Nikki, we will only cast a minority to play Nikki mm-hmm. because one of the three roles needed to be a minority, and it it, it needed to be Nikki. Mm-hmm. So because if it was, it was, it needed to be either Liv or Nikki. Mm-hmm. And since I was playing Liv, uh, and so everybody else, everybody else that came in, right, like, because was white. Really? For every other role. Because what happens is casting directors put out the breakdowns and they say all ethnicities. Um, but agents can only submit to like two people per role. And they submit the people who are most likely to book it. Mm-hmm. And the people who are most likely to book are white. Because hmm. uh, they're the people who've worked the most in the past. So agents are playing a numbers game. And so that's what ends up happening, you know, is that... That's yeah. crazy. Which yeah. is something we should change. In our, it is in our something industry. we should change. But, because but it's, that's, we specifically that's the mechanism said, by which the entrenchment continues. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah. yeah. That's nuts. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Um, it's like, it comes all the way from... Yeah. From the beginning. Yeah. Sure. And oh. we, on that day, we, we already had um, Rebecca Metz, who's mm-hmm. a recurring on Shameless uh, and has been a, a friend of ours for years. Um, uh, we already knew Rebecca was going to play her role, um, but we cast everybody else that day. Mm-hmm. And, wow. and Sarah Schreiber came in and was... We cast the, the little girl off of video. Yes, we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yes, uh, Sarah was, I think, the first person that we saw. The and whole day. we spent the whole yeah. day sitting there going, yeah. could it really have been the first person? Or is that just, like, it's like when you're, you know, right. when you're going to buy, like, a, a car, you're like, wait, was it the first one? Um, and But she was just, she just was... Yeah, uh, Alexa and and similarly Annie Ruby came in and and it just hit a perfect tone, um, which was really important because we didn't have time to do a table read sure. to change the script to suit the actors' voices. I was so curious we ha- about that. Yeah, yeah, there was there just wasn't time because you you do the table read so you can do a rewrite, and we didn't have time to do that. So it was really important that the, that we cast the actors who. Um, 
felt like the characters to us. Mm-hmm. You know, um, felt the most like the characters rather than mm-hmm. any. It, that was the the, the biggest concern. And was, was there once production started? Was there rewriting on set? We had planned to play around with dialogue yeah. a little bit more, but what w- w- practically what happened is. You know, we shot a pilot in six days. We shot 45 and a half pages in six days. And luckily, you know, I've logged hours and hours and hours on set where you're basically shadowing terrific directors mm-hmm. like, like Stephen Williams and Jeff Hunt and Darren Serafian and Chris Fisher, you know, uh, Kate Woods, r- really wonderful television directors. And, you know, the, the difference between TV and movies is you not only have to know how to get the shot, but you have to know how to move cameras through space in mm-hmm. such a way that you get those shots efficiently. Mm-hmm. And so I was just cribbing from you know people's notebooks all day long of sure. like oh this is how Chris would do it this is how Jeff would do it you know <laughs> it's oh, true. you no, know and, and and getting those getting those pieces so um but yeah it's i mean you know normal normal shooting schedule is you know a normal day of shooting a tv show with a crew of 150 people is seven to nine pages a day, five if you're doing, you know, four or five if you're doing a stunt or some sort of big (laughs) sequence, Uh, 11 if it's just Michael Emerson in a library, for example, (laughs) Um, sometimes 14. I'm sorry, Michael. We did Um, 11 in one day for 11 pages. We did one 11-page day. But it was mostly me. And we were working with a crew. Um, uh, We got hooked up... um, uh, through Janie Haddad, we got hooked up with Eli uh, Goldstein, who was our uh, director of photography. Mm-hmm. And Eli has a wonderful company here. He does rentals and he also shoots stuff. And so he made that very turnkey for us. And uh, we shot on the red um, and he, he we were able to shoot two cameras because I was just like, look, I want this to look like television as much as possible. Mm-hmm. So and I could really does. I the couldn't afford to is ridiculous. I couldn't. Afford, thank you. I, I couldn't afford camera dollies. So I just got a couple of sliders to get that kind mm-hmm. of lateral drift yeah. that that is television. <laughs> um, uh, and we shot actually higher resolution than we needed. But but Eli did a great job and he brought a crew. We probably had a crew of about 30 people. Most of whom uh, hadn't worked on television before, and I was blown away by uh, how talented uh, these people were. But it was still, it was a, you know, it was a learning curve right. um, for everybody, and, and we were, a, you know, a smaller crew. But we, you know, we got it done. The, because the, we wanted to make sure we paid everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that that That's really great. limited us by days and by number. Yeah. Of people we and the have. Th- the thing I really remember is I'm worried that you know because you know I'm oh shit we should have taken lunch and if I was on set we'd be a penalty. <laughs> And and then like we take an hour for lunch and a couple of people on crew are like, I can't believe you're giving us an hour for lunch. Like because they're mostly they shoot non-union music, music right. videos. Man. And and, the, and non-union music videos are the worst. It's, are the it's worst. tough. It's really tough. So they, they did a they did a fantastic job. But yeah, we shot three locations. Um, uh, we shot. Hmm. Uh, three days in our house. We sort of used that as a standing set. That was mm-hmm. the only location where we did not have to hide an Emmy. Um, uh, we shot at a friend's house who uh, is uh, a writer on Mad Men. And we, we yeah, had to we hide. did have to hide yeah, Emmys. We, we, we had to hide several That's Emmys. And, uh, and then we shot at Abominable Pictures. Um, uh, they were kind enough to, to let us in and we had to also hide an Emmy there. So <laughs> it, was, uh, it was just, you know, um, really staring us in the face. But um, no, but we, you know, we moved through it pretty efficiently and Everybody, everybody was really, really great and worked really hard. And I, you know, yeah, I was. I um, the plan had been that I was going to do costumes completely myself, and then we realized uh, pretty quickly that that was not going to happen. Yeah. So fortunately, my my friend Meredith Jan Grande, who is um, incredibly talented, uh, she uh, she came 
some days to help out, and she really, really helped with the um, with the costume design process. Like we went shopping for the stuff, uh, almost everything that that any of us wear, and the whole thing is my clothes that <laughs> I own. That's, that was one of the things when we were casting. It's like, hey, they need to be about the same size as me because <laughs> we don't have a budget for clothes. Uh, but we bought it. We bought a few things, and she 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 was the one who bought all that stuff, and she was the one who was on set making sure that there was continuity and everything. But there were some days that she couldn't be there. And there's there's one time when uh, when my my hair is in a ponytail and the more and what, is mm-hmm. it okay if I talk about this? My hair is in, my hair is, it'll be a good Easter egg. Yeah. Yeah. My hair's in a side ponytail, and then you see me and my hair is down, and then you see me again. It, it, these are all different scenes where I'm in the same look, and then you see me again. I stand up with my hair like this. I go upstairs, and when I get upstairs, my hair is in a side ponytail. Yeah. It, it, it goes back and that and was forth, yeah. and that was the day that we didn't have our costume person with us because yeah. that was the, that night we didn't have her because she was really good about keeping track. Listen, of stuff if like that's that. the biggest problem, that's, 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 <laughs> that's, 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 that's okay. It drives me crazy. Yeah. When it's, you know. yeah. nobody's going to notice. And, and, and I would say one of the other things we could not have shot the schedule that we shot without was um, uh, we got these wonderful uh, makeup and hair uh, team. Oh, my God. Uh, Leah and Lisa Dempsey. They, they, they call knew. themselves the Judo Twins. Um, I met them when I was working on the MTV pilot that uh, yeah. Karina had cast me on. Our and, casting director had cast uh, me on. And they did the hair and makeup for this Oh my God! They are gorgeous, identical twins. Um, <laughs> and if you've if you've worked in television, uh, y- you know what a big deal this is. These two women can bust a woman through the works, hair and makeup, in twenty minutes. Mm-hmm. Wow! I've never seen anything like it. <laughs> they it, prefer not to, they, but, they, but can. they can do it. And they were they were they had a wonderful sense of humor. They kept, I mean, because it was also a hundred degrees oh, when we yeah. were shooting this. We couldn't afford to pay for them to have an assistant, so it was very Jesus much God. like yeah. It, but it was. It was so hot, so we had one room in the, our house that had air conditioning in it because I had like a window air conditioner, and so they were in there like blasting that, and just it was it was bananas. But we got it done, you know. And they also were really crucial for um, Sarah and Annie, our, our two actresses, for uh, just keeping them occupied between scenes. They did a really good job of, of staying positive and making it a good experience. Making it a, yeah. They, they killed making it a good experience yeah. for everybody. Well, and it sounds yeah. like you had this killer crew who you also took care of. And, like, to speak sort of more broadly on this, it it feels like this is the way that web series are going. Like, we have to, if if they're going to be of the quality that we want them to be, we have to treat them like actual productions. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. You know, it, it can't be two people with their phones anymore. Right. Well, it's, I, I, I feel like part of the reason, there were many reasons that I wanted to do this, but w- one of the reasons is, you know, the independent film movement in the 90s came mm-hmm. about because of uh, the Avid, because mm-hmm. of digital editing. So suddenly, post was not as expensive uh, by several orders of magnitude anymore. Uh, I feel like we're in this wonderful golden age of television, and I feel like if we wanted to, we could have an era of independent television, mm-hmm. you know, where it, really, because the studios, they don't exclusively control the means of production anymore. Um, everybody's got a camera with them all the time. They don't exclusively control the means of uh, distribution uh, anymore. Uh, you know, you can put anything out on the Internet, and there are YouTube stars and actual cam girls who are, you know, famous now. Um uh, so really, it's just the means of marketing. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing left. And, and I, I feel like there's a really interesting window to mm-hmm. make some stuff that, I mean, if we had done this show 
for a uh, a cable network. Um, I, I don't 100% know that it would have been watered down, but it, we wouldn't have been able to make it what we wanted to make mm-hmm. it. And it right. was really so. great while we were shooting, questions would come up. And I would just turn to Joelle and say, what do you think? And she would tell me what she thought. And I would go, yeah, okay, what about this? And then we, and then we would decide it. And I, w- I kept remembering because I've always, when I'm on set, I have to check, you know, and there's all these levels of approval. Right. There's a studio. There's a network. You're always kind of guessing what someone else is going to say. And it was so wonderful to be the final level of approval Absolutely. and just get to make this what we wanted to make it. Yeah. It was also interesting juggling our producer duties because Joelle was also on set. You were the scripty, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> my friend initially, she had done it and kind of like shown me the ropes of script supervising. <laughs> And then I kind of took over, so it was, yeah, I think every day the three of us were juggling multiple roles. Oh, well, you, you and, were, and you were also typing on the other end, because we had, uh, we, built oh, a, right. we built a real website. Um, uh, my friend Jay yes. Dysart, his company J-Loop, they, uh, they built for us an actual campsite so we could do that stuff live, because <laughs> I didn't have the money for playback or green screen. Oh so we, we, we literally had... Um, uh, someone in the next room typing. Which so was that me. Those scenes, and, and so, and a few times it was me, yeah. and then and a couple times it was the twins. Yeah. It was Lisa and, and, and it was our hair. And, and, and Nick scene smoked we had it to have one of yeah, our producers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's one scene where there's multiple uh, chatters in the chat room, mm-hmm. and so it was a bunch of us that were yeah, you <laughs> scattered had all those throughout windows the house. Open. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because we, it, yeah. it did have to be all different people logged in. Right. Yeah. So we had people in all different places, yeah. like, you say this now, you say this. That's like, really funny. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there but has to be great. something. Yeah, there has to be something to that verisimilitude of well, actually it, doing it in the moment. And not in addition not to saving thing. money, yeah, it made those scenes much easier to cut mm-hmm. and, and much easier to play because the actors are actually interacting with the screen just as we all do, you know, um, at home when we're in cam chat rooms, yeah. as we all are. As we all are. Yes. As we all are right now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Joel, was there uh, stuff in the shooting of the script that you'd lived with for so long that was a surprise to you? Or that you discovered in the process? Yeah. I mean, I think that the whole process for me was very surreal and, and wonderful to see everything come to life. I mean, I think for me one of the highlights of the whole shoot was there's this scene that it's it's not even a big scene but they're um they're eating pizza and drinking beer and then afterwards you know someone had to eat the pizza and drink the beer <laughs> and uh and so i just like went out in the backyard and had a slice of pizza to myself and i was just <laughs> sitting there pizza, yeah sorry. some prop pizza it was delicious and uh and i was just like I created this pizza. This is the best fucking pizza I've ever had. Like whenever possible, yeah. write, write props you can eat. Yeah, it was great. So that now I really write awesome. all the time. There about. were actually a couple points um, in the audition process where some of it wasn't even actors we cast, but they delivered lines mm-hmm. uh, in ways that we hadn't thought of before, and we mm-hmm. made a note mm-hmm. of like, oh, that. Yeah. That. Well, yeah, that's, that's it means really something yeah. different when you say it that way, mm-hmm. and it it actually. That actually may be better. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there, we did a lot of. Well, that's why you bring in good actors. Yeah, you're going to bring yeah. something that you didn't expect to it. And I think Charlie Hewson, uh, who plays Ryan in the show, he was so great at that because there were a couple times that we just let him improv and he would come up with lines that are still in the show. And I was like, oh, I never thought of that version. Like, that's, mm. that's really great. Um, 
So yeah, so there were there were a lot of moments like that for me. That's great. And then sort of along the same lines, um, we've talked a little bit off microphone about the editing process. Oh man, <laughs> I was well, again part of the reason that I wanted to do this was to learn all the aspects, you know, because I've been on person of interest for years and I was making, you know. Uh, doing a lot of aspects of mm-hmm. making television, but I knew there was stuff I didn't know, and oh man, most of it was in post. <laughs> um, we got uh, two, I uh, hired two wonderful editors who were both working as assistant editors on POI at the time. This was during their hiatus, um, Ryan Milanofi and Scott Jacobs, um, and broke it up and they cut every other episode. And I was used to that part, so they would, it was, right. we turned our living room, the very room, we would be cutting scenes <laughs> in the room where those scenes were shot. They would come over. Yeah, it was super meta. They would come over with a laptop and hook it up to our our television. Mm -hmm. And so um, but they did a wonderful job cutting it um, and was really, really impressed with both of them. And they've since both gone on to become full-fledged editors in their own right. Um, But so uh, then then they got really busy um, uh, with with person of interest, and we still hadn't cut the opening sequence, and we wanted to have the opening sequence mm-hmm. be slightly different for every episode. You know, with the hula hoop girl yeah. and stuff yeah, like that. It was really, really cool. it's really cool. Yeah. And I, so I've been sitting uh, in in editing suites for a long time, and I'm like, okay, it's just music <gasps> with picture. And Ad Media Composer doesn't cost a ton, so I bought Media Composer and started teaching myself how to edit, and wound up I cut those opening sequences. Um, nice job. Uh, thank you, thank you. Way, I also kept the trailer. Yeah. That's the, the, the the online. The yeah. By the way, the Hula Hoop Girl is also uh, is in the camera union. She's a... Yeah, she's, she's, a, she's an AC. Really yeah. yeah, she's an AC. I met yeah. her. That's, how, that's what I knew her from, was from yeah. camera work back when yeah, I did costumes. Oh, she, is, uh, she is one of the Hooptown hotties. They are available for parties. What? Um, yep, no, <laughs> Google it. Thing. It's pretty amazing. Um, uh but um, but yeah, so and then the whole process of I mean, you know, Joel had worked extensively in post and mm-hmm. you know was able to like say no no we need to do this you're going to miss this oh, step great. and part of what uh, part of what slowed us down was that I um, we re- I realized pretty quickly that I couldn't be involved in the editing process at all because I am the type of actor who can't watch myself on screen mm-hmm. I, I don't like hearing my own voice I don't like watching myself on screen so I uh, the first day I sat in there and it was miserable for everybody <laughs> it was. Uh, it, it was awful. It, it was like going. It was like a Republican Thanksgiving dinner because I was like, "Well, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I I look kind of weird here, and I think that the way I said that doesn't quite work. And I, uh, is there another? T- you know what I mean? It it, it was oh, very terrible. like it, I was awful. Actors in the editing room. <laughs> don't, let it, don't let us in the editing room. Yeah. I was very much like I was just so after so that she was like hiding in the house while we were doing it. and I go I go upstairs and be like can you just say this into the phone because we need a loop, loop line, line and stuff oh, and funny yeah you it was do it ADR was, on the spot yeah, yeah. I was yeah. curious about that no we did it we did it How later did it? yeah, yeah okay. well we, we yeah um, we got uh, Stephen Nelson we got hooked up with and he brought a well, wonderful really sound good. department T- Total Pro did a wonderful job he did our mix um, we were you know we were just lucky that we knew a, a, a yeah. lot of people um, Amritha Vaz uh, was our composer. Um, uh, and did a wonderful job creating an original score for it, and that was a piece that I hadn't done before, and like the theme developing song she the music. Did so good. That's so, yeah, yeah, really she wrote that theme song you. that's that's in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so yeah, we were we you know just because from working in the industry, we were able to put together a say, bunch I mean, of people. And other, it's not just that you guys were working in the industry; it's that you're nice and people well, like you, and the, they are happy well, to work with. We tried to make hardest, this a good yeah, opportunity for everybody. Yeah. You know? One of the hardest things for us was uh, when we did the big dance scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
oh Lord, uh, we, we danced to uh, Shoop. And obviously we couldn't get the rights to that. So we had to find a song that matched, that matched Shoop. And so we got Andy Herman, who's the, uh, he's the music editor at LA Weekly now, but he's Blue a friend so, yeah. of ours. Yeah, hmm. he, um, he, he helped us out. He, 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 he found a song yeah. with the same sure. beats per minute. He found a, he found so a few funny. different songs with the same beats per minute and then helped us. Yeah, this great song by Jay Davey called What You Looking At that's that's under our trailer, and that's right. the song we wound up using there. And we, we um, yeah, had again, another friend to help us track Rebecca them Rebecca Metz, who's in the pilot, that's sure. her husband. And it's, so it's very... Oh, interconnected. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, this is how you do something of this scale. <laughs> well, it's it, and Andy's a really good example because that was somebody who has a ton of connections, knows a bunch about music more than I ever will, and he hadn't had a music supervisor gig before that point, and he did a wonderful right. job. So we were we were looking this, at, you know, Joel's first produced work, my first, you know, directing gig, Katie's first, you know, turn as a lead in a series. So it, we tried to have that ripple through. It's, it's uh, Eli, our DP was looking for an opportunity to get some narrative uh, hmm. stuff under his belt because he's shot mostly documentary yeah. and things like that. So We were going for volunteers, not recruits. You know, we wanted sure. we yeah. wanted people who it would actually help to, to work on it. Yeah. Rather than That's hiring, really smart. which is part of the thing of not having uh, a name star in it at mm-hmm. all, was we wanted it to be people who could actually gain something, from, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, yeah. benefit yeah. everyone. And it yeah. seems like, it, yourselves included, you were all ready to take that step. So this opportunity yeah. gave everyone that. Yeah. That's really great. Um, um, and I just wanted to ask about editing on your end as well. Again, were there things that you realized about the story? Were there? Did you? How, how extensive was the editing? You often hear about how editing is the last step in writing, mm-hmm. uh, and things can be moved around or taken out or whatever. But how was it for for you? It was. Uh, I definitely learned a lot, despite my background being, you know, working in post initially, um, because it did. Like there were. That was when we made the decision to cut, you know, six episodes into seven, and so that became a rewrite. There were certain things that weren't quite working that we, um, you know, through either ADR or just juggling of scenes that we uh, that then they worked. Um, So it was, and I had never, even though I had been around uh, editorial a lot, I had never been the one to kind of make decisions as far Mm -hmm. as the editorial process. And it's really hard. Like, there's, there were some scenes that David and I would be sitting together and he'd be like, well, this just isn't working. And I would look at him and be like, isn't it like I don't see the same thing you're seeing yeah. and so um, so yeah to get that experience under my belt like it was so so valuable that's great that's great and, right. but I, I would say we did not do we, this was not an episode that was rewritten or uh, this was not sure. a show that was rewritten mm-hmm. in post we we swapped a couple of scenes we, right. we actually wound up combining two episodes because uh, they came in short after we had tightened things up and mm-hmm. all the ADR we did um, almost everybody had I think everybody maybe had to do ADR <clears throat> it was all because clothes were rustling and stuff almost mm-hmm. everything was just that we didn't have good, we didn't have yeah. plain audio we added a handful of lines for clarity yeah. but sure. you yeah. know nothing nothing out of the ordinary yeah. like I've, I've had a way rougher time yeah. uh, cutting episodes of Actual television. <laughs> this is actual television. It's yeah. just not that, on your television. Yeah, that, that was actually that that's what true. we kept saying. Yeah. I, I would I'd like the whole time we were shooting it. I, w- I would turn to Joelle because she was sitting right there, and I, I was like, I just want it to look like television. I just want it to look like television. <laughs> and I would be like, it does. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, this, and I think this is the sort of uh, emotional hurdle that people making stuff for the web have to get over. Is 
it's as viable a narrative tool. Well, what's tough is that the people who are watching it are frequently people who watch all their TV on mm-hmm. the computer, so they are judging you against shows that have sure. over a million dollars per they're episode. They're watching House of Cards yeah, on the same Yeah, they're watching computer. House of Cards on the same computer, and it's it's not, you're not, I mean, you're not looking at the same budget. Sure. You know, so it's yeah. just, it's, it, they, there was that aspect of it that we wanted, we just wanted it to look as good as possible. Mm-hmm. You know, because it, it, you do get judged exactly the same. Yeah. Sure, that's, regardless that's interesting. Of, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it looks great. Um, so, once again, premieres tomorrow. June first. Um, June first. Uh, tell it. people where they can see it and and what the release schedule is. Um, you want to do that? <laughs> sure. Um, so people can find it on camgirlsTheSeries.com, also on YouTube. Um, and it will. If you Google it, make sure you Google Cam Girls the series. Yes, the series <laughs> web series. Very, yeah. Otherwise, you will get something very different. Um, and then we're going to premiere uh, the first two episodes on June 1st at uh, 12 p.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. And then uh, subsequent episodes will be every Monday after that. Awesome. Uh, we'll end as we always do by asking you, uh, starting here with Katie Bond, what are you watching on television? What is getting you excited or inspired to make stuff? What are you talking about with your friends, your spouses, your coworkers? Wow. Uh, I love Veep. I love Veep. Veep is maybe my, my favorite show right now. Um, we watched Empire. We really liked that because it was just so much fun. Um, what else? <laughs> we watch TV together. So what else are we watching? Oh, um, 12 Monkeys. Love 12 Monkeys. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what's that one we just watched? You can't say all of them or I won't have any. <laughs> you can no, answer. I mean, you can, <laughs> you can I keep can, That's why I said. I've been watching uh, Manhattan. WGN's uh, Manhattan so was really amazing and yeah. just started uh, Bosch that some of my buddies from Law & Order are, are writing it on. It's, it's really excellent. It's, yeah. it's a really beautifully shot television yeah. and very well written. It's kind of like, you know, like if The Wire had a kid, you know. We've been um, we've been That's so behind on TV, so it's been really nice. We've just been catching up. Oh yeah, chain smoking. Oh man, everything. we've been chain smoking all the shows. Yeah. That's why it's hard to think of what we're watching because we yeah. watch. You know, we watched Kimmy Schmidt. We watched uh, The Fall. The Fall. Oh God, I love The Fall. There's a uh, lot of really great television right now. Yeah, it's so hard. That's to keep the thing up. that's exciting though. Yeah. Is there's so much good TV out right yeah. now. What are you watching? Um, I'm watching all the HBO shows. Game of Thrones. It's been great so far. Uh, Veep. Love Veep. Silicon Valley. Um, what's not HBO? Uh, <laughs> Josh will get mad at me if I don't mention The Americans and what a great Sorry. show that is. So I'm finally watching that. <laughs> and, I'm sorry, he's made it his we watched that. Yeah, I love it, but all those people are going to get herpes. And it also, it's kind of. They have so much sex. And not only that, their wigs are going to get herpes. Like, there's those terrible wigs. Those terrible wigs may already have herpes. Too. They probably. Yeah. And it's also it's an uncomfortable show to watch with your spouse. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it, uh, we kind of stopped watching it because of that. Well, you're both spies. Like, all of the yeah. 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 It just, it, 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 it hits too close to home for you guys. Yeah. 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 On yeah, every does. level. Yeah. 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 Thank you, guys. Uh, thank, thank you for so being much. here. Everybody watch Cam Girls. Uh, premieres tomorrow. Cam Girls, the series. Google it. Or Google the other. You'll enjoy that, too. (laughs) Get these guys some views, also. (laughs) Thank you all for being here. Thank Thank you. you. Now leaving Nerdist.com.